Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome back, everyone. This is Sean Murray with a new edition of the New Cyber Frontier. Today, we have a special guest from our organization, Murray Security Services. We have Ryan Johnson. He is one of our interns this semester. Welcome, Ryan. Uh, appreciate you joining us for the show. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, kind of got voluntold on that one. It's part of your inter- internship. Um, you know, one of those things that you had to research when you came on board. Um, you know, w- what are all the contributions that you, uh, that we make uh, within the community? And, and one of them is right here on the new cyber frontier. So uh, it's great to have you. This is the first time we've actually um, looked at the perspectives of, of our interns, uh, our teammates uh, that join us and um, I'd love for you to give us a little bit about your background. Um, you know, you're you're an intern uh, with our program. How did that happen? And and what was the road that led you here? You know, throughout uh, your career. Well, so I basically grew up in Keystone, and it's a ski area. And Heck yeah, you know, I grew up in the ski industry. You know, my parents had a ski shop up there, and I every winter I was getting about a hundred to hundred and twenty days on the slopes. <sighs> And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good life. It was a good life. I didn't know how good I had it when I was up there. And, uh, you know, when I was up there, I couldn't wait to get out of there though, because I wanted to go to the big cities and, uh, my path took me all the way up to Seattle and then from there to Port Townsend, where I actually got a degree in wooden boat building and restoration. Oh man. And after that, I ended up actually in Alaska. Um, I planned on only being up there for a summer. And I ended up sp- spending four years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's fantastic. Did you become a nomad? <laughs> yeah, I actually <laughs> became a a, care, a winter caretaker for a lodge um, where I spent seven and a half months out in the bush by myself. Wow. With one dog and three cats. I had a lot of great conversations with them. No. I'll bet. <laughs> I just started to worry if they started talking back. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And basically, I um, went back into the ski industry. And uh, bought a share in a, sh- a ski shop. Okay. And ended up um, really enjoying that, but it started kind of uh, started getting kind of bored with it, and because it's just the same thing day after day. Right. And also with the pandemic starting, I was kind of predicted how it was going to affect the ski industry, and I said it's time to make a change. And so I decided to sell my stake, and I. Went to full time at PPCC for cybersecurity. Pikes Peak Community College, right yeah. here in Colorado Springs. Okay, and so um, somebody who like is in the 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 side of life that uh, I enjoy when I'm not doing what I do uh, professionally. Um, so yeah, you've learned a lot of things over the years. Retail, uh, dealing with people. Um, you've done some travel. You've done some travel outside of the United States as well. Yeah, quite a bit. You know, yeah. three trips to Asia. Uh, lasting between six and 10 months. And then I also did a bike ride across Canada from Vancouver Islands to Halifax. And that took about five months. And then 
I did one last trip too of a, a motorcycle ride from Colorado to Tierra del Fuego, oh, Argentina. Yeah. yeah. We covered 17,000 miles in wow. eight months. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so you got blast. to do all those things that I dream of doing when I retire. <laughs> so yeah. you just did them before you did cyber. So, uh, well, great. Um, so you're in the um, you're in a cyber program at the Pikes Peak um, Community College here at Colorado Springs. Uh, so, what's your degree program? What are you doing? The de- degree program is cybersecurity. I'm not sure exactly the direction I'm going to go and specialize in yet, but uh, I plan on transferring to UCCS. And kind of work further on that at that time. Okay. So, yeah, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. Um, so, you know, Gretchen Bliss, um, you know, great program manager. She works both over and on the Pikes Peak uh, com- you know, Community College side and in the internship program over at UCCS. Um, and, you know, I just want to hit back on a point you just made, in, and that is you're not sure what you know, what area you want to focus on yet. And so uh, it's a good point to be made because it, it, there's a lot of different disciplines within information security or cybersecurity. Uh, I, I call that the new sexy term that, that's come around. <laughs> it's still all about information security, which includes, you know, uh, the IT side. You know, we, we look at 80% of our, our, our business processes are, are automated. It doesn't matter what your industry is. So we've got to focus on the technology. But there's also the human side of it. There's also the physical security side of it, which you've learned, um, you know, being with us uh, as a teammate. Um, but there are so many different disciplines, and and so you're getting exposed to some of those. Uh, can you tell us a, a little bit about, you know, some of the research projects that you've been asked to do since you came on board as one of our teammates? Well, I think actually one of the smartest things I think we did at the beginning was just actually researching the company I'm working for. Okay. Um, I found that quite um, beneficial. I highly recommend it to anyone. Um, you got to know what your company stands for and who they work for and what exactly they do and who your boss is. Um, it really kind of helps, you know, your job in general. Yeah. I thought that was, uh, you know, that's one of those right, things we learned a, a long time ago, right? But before you go for an interview for a job at a place, understand who the organization is, um, what their background is. Um, make sure you understand what their mission statement is, their vision statement. Uh, who are they? What are their contributions to the community? And so what did you learn with all that? Well, I learned that uh, Murray Security Services is a very um, diverse a variety, <laughs> yeah. very diverse. I mean, I was just... I was just very impressed with the uh, different aspects. I mean, how you work, with, you know, with people internationally to small businesses. Great. Well, what about, um, you know, so one of your first research projects, that's one of the first things we do is we ask you to take a look at the organization, some of the employees, what are the contributions out into the community? So you learned that. Um, what about some, uh, research projects, uh, supporting clientele or some of the things that, uh, we're doing? Well, another research one was basically taking the apps from a recent, uh, physical assessment or vulnerability, vulnerability assessment, um, and taking the, the list of apps and doing research on them and trying to find vulnerabilities on, um, which that was a pretty extensive list, but time consuming but it really kind of blew my mind about how many 
vulnerabilities there are out there. Yeah. And so when we talk about that one client, uh, you know, we went in, we did a vulnerability assessment. And one of the things that we request is we request a, a list of their hardware and software to include all their systems, network devices. And then what are the programs, the applications that are installed on those systems as well? And the research project you're talking about uh, identified a lot of what we call shadow IT applications. So, um, you know, applications that don't necessarily support a business objective that employees may have had their permissions to be able to download and install. We found some, some you know, remote connection stuff. We found some gaming stuff. And, um, and then, you know, to your point, uh, you know, you go out to the National Vulnerability Database, you take a look at the Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures Database, you take a look and see what the vulnerabilities are associated with those. It could be malware, it could be uh, zero day, um, specific threats like uh, denial of service, uh, what uh, aspects of the applications can be exploited. So um, good points. Uh, we're talking about the research projects. We are going to take a break. We're talking to Ryan Johnson. He is one of the new teammates. Uh, he's an intern at Murray Security Services. Uh, when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to continue that conversation. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer -peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. This is Sean Murray. I'm your host today. We're talking to Ryan Johnson. Uh, Ryan's one of the interns in, uh, at Murray Security Services. Um, is part of his internship program with the Pikes Peak Community College. Um, you know, we were talking about the research projects that uh, some of the things that you've been uh, doing. What about um, what about uh, some resources? Um, talk a little bit about Code Red. One of the one of the resources we've provided to fill the gaps in between assessments and research projects. Yeah, I found Code Red pretty impressive. Actually, there's a lot of different courses and that you can uh, look into and basically further your education in the field. Uh, one of my favorites was actually learning more about tunneling and the pros and cons and the vulnerabilities st that still exist oh, with yeah. um, tunneling. Yeah, so when we talk about Code Red, uh, this is a product uh, provided by EC Council. That's It's one of those things that hundreds of different little courses there could be little courses, you know, half an hour, could be an hour, could be four hours. Uh, the idea is to learn different uh, concepts, different things um, that, you know, to, to, to supplement the skill set that you have or fill gaps about things that you don't know or learn about things that you didn't know that are, are providing value. So um, it's just one of those resources in between things to help you get the hours that you need uh, for your program. Um, that uh, we provide uh, as well as you know for training. Um, let's talk about client engagements. So you've had an opportunity um, with uh, some of our other teammates to 
uh, you know, listen in and interact with with clients either on site during an assessment um, or, you know, uh, we do remote meetings with clients all over the United States. And, um, you know, we had one, uh, just an engagement this last week with uh, um, somebody of influence down with the Central Bank Authority in Central Africa. Why don't you tell us about some of these client engagements? What have yes, you learned? Is, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was having to really jump at it and uh, find, um, you know, exactly what was happening within it, which I thought it was uh, very interesting for the fact he's, I think if I remember right, he's trying to go after the, is it the ISO 27001? 27001. And doing some research into that, it's, you know, that's pretty extensive and then very time-consuming process. Yeah, big framework. Um, and it also sounds like over there with their banking system, not all the banks are using cloud-based or a good majority of them are not. So it, it will make the process for us to help them out a little bit more difficult. Um, yeah, and so you know, with that client specifically, they're looking for a unified approach to balance the requirements for an ISO 27001 uh, ISMS Information Security Management System implementation for all of the the banks. And um, you know, we we came on with a, a preferred vendor that can demonstrate that level of compliance uh, for for the central bank authority who will be uh, overseeing performing the assessments, the audits. Um, and so that's uh, just just one project that we're working on. Um, what did what did you learn from uh, you know we did just recently a, a manufacturing uh, plant. Um, we did a, an assessment there. Um, why don't you give us a little bit about about the background and and what did you learn from from you know uh, a cybersecurity perspective, physical security perspective, social engineering. There's lots of different elements to vulnerability yeah. assessment, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, it, I actually found it quite fascinating. Um, anything from just walking the perimeter, checking for cameras and who they belong to, and finding anything like, say, trees, any objects that a person could actually climb up onto the, the roof with. Um, and after that, you know, we basically dug through their recycle bin out a lot of paperwork and we found uh, three major uh, flags one of them being a lockbox recently installed that had um, we found a email that basically gave the directions the passcode to the lockbox the digital and combination and what was inside the lockbox that provided value for the assessment keys to the kingdom yeah, they yeah. had all the facility keys, right, yeah. to everything. Yeah, and to the server room, to very highly sensitive areas. Um, I was just like, I was pretty, pretty blown away by how somebody could just carelessly, just without thinking about it. Throw, throw it away, away in the trash, right? Yeah. yeah so, it's... you know, that's not an automated means of collecting vulnerable uh, information. That, that There's the physical security aspect of vulnerability assessments as well. So, you know, humans are lazy. Sometimes humans don't have the right amount of uh, education and awareness. And so they don't think about the things that they do to, on a day-to-day -day basis. So, um, you know, there was a lot of information, a, a Trevor trove, treasure trove of information yeah. in that, that blue bin in the, in the copy room. Um, and so, you know, this provides awareness back to the organization. Maybe, you know, there's a different way. Uh, to dispose of those sensitive things. 
and try to instead of trying to change the culture of everyone trying to not throw things away, maybe we should just shred everything that's uh, in those areas, right? Um, what other physical um, things were we able to determine uh, inside the facility? And, um, you know, I think we looked at alarm systems. We looked at uh, doors, infrastructure. Um, you know, what other things did we see that were not necessarily technology-related? Well, for one, the doors, the locks. There's one door in the back of the building. You could easily jimmy with a basic uh, plastic knife. Plastic knife that you can get at the convenience store, right? Yeah, exactly. At your hotel room, whatever. But within five, ten seconds, boom, we were in. About the same time, it would look as though you were using a key to enter the facility. So there would be no suspicion. Um, And so, Ryan, uh, you know, these things that that we observed over a couple of days being on site at the uh, location – uh, were we able to use anything uh, that we found um, you know, to do anything else? Yeah, we actually found an email. Um, or is it, I think it was an email or just an internal document with the three contacts for the alarm company. Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. Uh, you guys were able to discover the alarm system contact authorization letter. Yeah. So there's three contacts uh, on that letter to the alarm company, letting them know who is authorized to act on behalf of the organization in the case the uh, alarm company had to contact them, provided their information, provided mm-hmm. their telephone numbers. Um, what did we do with that? Well, l- later that night, about 9 p.m., we basically was doing a social engineering, and we basically acted like we were the alarm company. And calling these three individuals. And lo and behold, we actually got one of the individuals to give us their authorization code. Yeah, we had a specific script that we went by. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so one of the three uh, gave us uh, an authentication uh, password that we could have used, uh, um, you know, to contact the alarms company. Um, so, you know, they've got alarm systems within the facility. Uh, use that information to assure the alarm syst- alarm company that we were who we pretended to be, right? So uh, provides additional, you know, vulnerability that needs mm-hmm. to be understood and known by the organization. Um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is is uh, you know the next day the the employee gave us um, you know the the notion that the uh, pass phrase that he gave was probably not the right one. So, Correct. right. Yeah. So what do we do? We do a, we do a probability assessment on, on that password, mm-hmm. that passphrase, uh, the likelihood that, you know, he gave us something that was erroneous or something that was accurate. And based on that score, um, we either choose to use or not use that passphrase. Well, you know, looking at Facebook, uh, we were able to determine that he used a passphrase that was something that was familiar uh, probably his son's name mm-hmm. and his son's age. And, uh, well, lo and behold, on Facebook, we were able to determine that um, he had a son uh, with a specific name and that son just recently had a birthday that coincided with the password he used, which is about the time that he got appointed as yeah. the um, as the person, right? So uh, it just makes sense that um, the high probability rating was is more likely that that passphrase uh, was accurate. 
So we're talking to Ryan Johnson. He is an intern, uh, part of one of our teammates at Murray Security Services. We are going to uh, be back right after a short break. BlockFrame technology offers next-generation blockchain-managed trust and security. Unique non-fungible tokens are used to secure software bills of materials to provide data quality and security for every transaction in your supply chain. Deploy advanced peer-to-peer product security, scale zero trust capability to millions of IoT devices, allow vendor tracking and accountability, and rapidly reset from compromise. Unchangeable, time-sequenced blockchain data provides next-generation security using machine learning trust algorithms and audit analytics. Start securing your supply chain today by contacting BlockFrame at www.blockframetech.com. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. This is Sean Murray. We're talking to Ryan Johnson. Uh, He is a uh, cybersecurity student over the Pikes Peak uh, community college here in in the community, and um, and part of that program is his internship at Murray Security Services. So one of our teammates, and uh, he's been learning different things. Uh, you know, not everything is is all you know sexy glory. You know, there's there's research that needs to be done. We have reports that we need to do, and um, you know we attend meetings as well. Um, any meetings in the last week that, uh, other than the, the one down in, uh, Cameroon, um, that, that spark, uh, any interest? Yeah, we had an, another one, uh, that has a, it's in an industry that requires a lot of, um, um, what do you want to call it? Like a certifications or um, a highly regulated industry, right? Yeah. Yes. A, 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 a lot, collections lot of, company, exactly. a credit collections yeah. company. A lot of PII um, information that needs to be secured. Yeah. And, and so different, uh, they collect debt from different types of clients, right? So it could be medical, could be student loans, could be um, on behalf of another organization. Uh, but this organization here, this client is going through a lot of growth. What did we learn about a lot of the things uh you know, between the the different things that they've got going on. Well, I uh, way I understand it here is that they recently recently acquired a new or a, a new company that they yep, take another into collections their, company yeah, exactly and trying to meld the two together. We're trying to come up with a game plan of how to uh, keep the employees that are logging into the system separate using uh, ten different VMs that are isolated from one another um, and, you know, setting up a, a second server that's in-house. Yep. And so you've got, um, we've got the newly acquisitioned personnel uh, needing to be able to log into an environment that, uh, you know, um, that can't change. Um, they're also looking at outsourcing um, to uh, Central America, uh, call center, um, personnel to be able to collect that on behalf of the client as well. So that vendor um, brings its own risk if they're using their own computer systems. The idea would be for um, that the the international call center folks to log into the virtualized workspace mm-hmm. environment so that um, you know there's there's no collection of PII associated with any of the call center work that they may be doing. So that's really important to the client. And so uh, some of the things we're advising is, so um, yeah, screen uh, capturing or screenshot mm-hmm. should be disabled and 
you should have some type of mobile device policy that prevents them from also being able to take pictures of the screen. So um, that you know the the consulting aspect of what we do um, advises business owners, CEOs, business leaders on sound approaches to cyber hygiene. And you know this client, there's a lot of growth. They're they've got a growth strategy, acquisitioning um, other companies and. Uh, as they continue to move forward, uh, looking at their vendors, their vendor relationships, the contracts, the service level agreements um, that they have as a vendor and on behalf of um, uh, vendors as well. So understanding the risk associated with uh, their industry. Um, did a lot uh, of work with uh, recently on a request for a proposal and, and uh, looking at the language that goes in on demonstrating a sound cyber hygiene. You just can't say, yes, we have a SIM. Yes, we have a firewall. Um, yes, uh, we have user awareness and training. You have to demonstrate that stuff. Mm-hmm. We talked about ISO 27001. Um, that's an international standard that uh, an organization can be credentialed uh, for, for uh, you know a few years, and then it would have to be renewed. NIST is a big one here in the United States. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, the CMMC, the cybersecurity, maturity model. Um, so our, we have a lot of clients with a lot of different diversity in those things, and you've gotten a lot of exposure to uh, the various types of frameworks. Um, what do you think, um, you know, you're going to finish out your internship here in the next uh, uh, couple months or so, and you're going to transition from uh, Pikes Peak Community College into UCCS, uh, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. Yeah. And so what, what, what concentration when you do that transition to, uh, UCCS, what, what, what concentration do you think, uh, for cyber you're going to focus on? You know, that's yet to be determined right now, but I'm actually more interested in the physical, you know, the, the psychology, the social engineering. Um, aspect of things. Well, um, that's a great transition. What happened to you <laughs> recently as part yeah. of your internship that uh, made you vulnerable to uh, a cyber attack? Well, I basically received a text from somebody that was playing you, actually. Pretending to be me. Yeah. Impersonation. And so, um, it, he caught me, got, got me off guard. I mean, I just didn't realize it's like, you know, you know, he just basically asked me if I could run a quick errand for him. And for me, um, or yeah, sorry for you, <laughs> for me. And what yeah. was I doing at the time? Why couldn't you, uh, earlier in the day, I remember reading on the Facebook page that you were, had s- several engagements in this, this after or the afternoon. And so I kind of put two and two together that, you know, you were kind of tied up and you needed me to go run and do something really quick, um, to kind of help you out. And I didn't know exactly what you had going on, uh, but just using that information, basically, uh, I just started doing it. You know, and, being, and what was it that they asked you to do? They asked asked me to actually go to a, a local store and get some gift cards. You know, he, he uh, it was a sense of urgency, which is a key big red flag. And um, basically, I went there and. Uh, I actually did purchase those cards and scratched off the back and sent a picture off to him. And which he requested that you do. Exactly. And I was like, well, you know, maybe, you know, he needs to give the person the activation code for like if he's doing like a 
a, a gift or um, a prize for whatever you had going on that evening. Um, and then he uh, later asked me to kind of stick around the store and um, to see if he needed anything else. And then when he started going and asking for another $600 worth of cards, it was for the Google uh, Play. And that but that's after like you told excited. him that the other gift cards that uh, yeah he wanted, well those were the last three. There were none of exactly and, yes. So yes. hey, let's well get <laughs> let's get something else, right? Yeah. So I mean, he actually asked me to um, to take a picture of the the stand. So and he basically went through and was picking his choice of what the next best option was. And but as when he actually asked me to get another set of you know. Of $200 each card, you know, I was like, something was starting to feel a little off. Now, when I look back at it, you know, he's texting me from an unknown number, but knowing that, uh, you have a couple of, uh, a couple of phones, I was like, you know, I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. And, um, then I basically, uh, asked him to, you know, text me from the, the known phone number and he's just basically said, I didn't come across your number by accident. Just, yeah, yeah. starting <laughs> starting to be a little yeah, bit more abrasive, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And then um, different level of influence. Yeah, and then I basically told him to get bent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, but you know, during that time though, between that transition too, though, is that I ended up was like, which I should have done at the beginning, is I should have contacted you directly with the phone number that I know that you use, right, and ask you if this is you. But being a sense of urgency and uh, you know, might have been tied up with whatever you're doing that night that I thought you were doing that night. Um, yeah, I wanted to a, you know, set a, a good example or, or you, know, um, you know, that you're a team player. You know, and those are the things. It's a social engineering attack, right? And the idea is, um, hey, I want to make sure that, you know, my boss thinks I'm doing a good job and, and I want to help out. And... All of those things, you know, this happens to executives quite a bit. This is a common social engineering attack, especially with the gift cards. And so, um, you know, the the idea here is, yeah, you know, it can be embarrassing. It can be uh, a humbling experience. But at the same time, the approach was, hey, let's take this opportunity um, to, to embrace uh, this because it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody can be. Um, susceptible to, to this type of attack. Uh, mm -hmm. You looked at those indicators. There's some adjustments that I'm going to make in future relationships with right. interns that, hey, look, we will only communicate with you uh, via text on these platforms. So there's adjustments we can make as well to, to make sure that, um, that this doesn't happen uh, again to us or at least minimize the, the attempts. Um, and then we embrace this. We turn this into a training. We turn this into something that's going to be positive that will help other people. But I, I think you, you relayed to me a, a, a further commitment based on this to the, to the new industry that you've chosen. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, <laughs> this experience is, was very humbling, embarrassing. Kind of pissed you off too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the toughest part though was telling my wife about it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't want to tell the boss. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was pretty rough. But uh, it's definitely given me a um, a bigger drive, 
to do what I'm doing and to kind of help uh, other people, you know, prevent other people from falling from the same type of stuff. Absolutely. And I mean, it just happened. So, I mean, it's like only maybe two weeks into the internship, it, this happened. So I was like, you know, whoever this person was, a social engineering me, you know, did yeah. it very recently and, 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 and their stuff. And using technology to be able to do that and influence your behavior. So um, great conversation. You know, we've been talking with Ryan Johnson um, he is a, a cyber student over at the Pikes Peak Community College, and part of his um, program is to intern at a uh, organization. We got very lucky this year. We got uh, to get Ryan over at Murray Security Services. Um, we talked about research projects, um, Code Red, uh, client engagements, meetings, and a very uh, relevant uh, social engineering attack. So social engineering, physical security, automated security. All things, all these things are really important. Um, that will wrap it up for this edition of the New Cyber Frontier. Thank you so much, Ryan, for uh, joining us for this edition. Yeah, thanks for having me. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at newcyberfrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this 